This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your hosts are Douglas Carr and Harrison Painter. Welcome to another in our marketing interview series. Uh, this is Douglas Carr with DK New Media, and I have sitting across from me. I love when people are in the office, by the way. <laughs> I, it's so much easier to have a conversation than on Skype. So I have Tiffany Souter, uh, Tiffany from Element 3 here in Indianapolis. So welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. So I, I love this intro, and I'm going to read the entire bio. Um, I don't care whether it embarrasses you or not because you are incredibly successful. Um, business first. That's the tagline of Element 3, a full-service brand and marketing agency based in Indianapolis that works across channels to solve real business problems for clients who want to be market leaders. Uh, but it's also the axiom that fuels E3 President Tiffany Souter's own approach to growing an enterprise. I love this. When the former financial analyst took the helm of the company in 2006, uh, you were 24 years old. Uh, over 10 years later, which you still look 24, by the way, um, Tiffany has catapulted annual revenues by over 950%, from coaching executives through brand considerations of an acquisition to helping them use marketing and sales technology to track marketing performance. Uh, Tiffany understands that success results from an integrated approach to business, brand, and creativity. Uh, Tiffany has been interviewed by the Harvard Business Review and participated in panels hosted by AdAge and TechPoint. Uh, your your agency, uh, Element 3, is a three-time Inc. 5000 company. Three-time! And in 2012 was awarded the HubSpot Agency of the Year Award. That's incredible. Thank you. In <laughs> so in 10 years, I built a studio. <laughs> Well, we just have, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think there's a couple of things there. The w one that I really uh, cued in on when I read it was business first, mm -hmm. uh, because we, we wrote a manifesto this year and that was the start of it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, um, stop looking at vanity metrics, stop doing work for work, yeah. uh, you know, and let's really focus on results oriented marketing. Yep. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing how clients try to drag you mm -hmm. in the opposite direction. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're right. Uh, and then I love that you're a former financial analyst. Mm -hmm. So that that provides a layer of, um, you know, to be a creative but have that analyst side is an incredible asset nowadays, right? Yeah, it's been, I mean, as we'll start talking about marketing technology and, you know, I think that marketing has turned into this incredible, like, you know, powerful explosion of a, a time when I think we're more discerning from a creative perspective than we ever have been sort of as a populace because everything is beautiful. Yeah. And on the other side with you know every interaction in the internet and sort of with this different marketing technology tools creates a data point for really complex math to be able to really be at the table too. So when you think about those two forces, you know, colliding, I think it creates a really exciting time. And you know, my background as a finance person, as a business person has really created a place. And I, I also think this is an important part of successful brand building and marketing where I have to trust the people around me because I don't know how to use InDesign or Photoshop or any of those things. I, that's not my craft, right. but I've learned to surround myself with people who are really exceptional at that. So I think that's a piece too, as we get into like, what's my advice for companies today? It's like, don't go so broad because marketing is like this, uh, 
it's just such a big pie today and it, it means such a broad set of things. I think we get scared to really define our lane and really stick with it and invest in something specific versus going so broad. So um, I see that as a real systemic issue across a lot of different spots of marketing. So And there's and there's a lot of noise out there that are pushing people to go in different directions yeah. as well. Yeah. So which which I think is probably on topic with our topic today. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the topic today is why the Martech solutions you bought aren't getting used and how to change that. And so you know the first thing is shiny things, mm-hmm. right? Something new comes along. Um, I I see this uh, and and I this is about you. So I'm I'm gonna try not to speak a lot, but you know that I love Martech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we get questions sometimes in our community that say, what's the best solution mm-hmm. to do X uh, or what's better Pardot or Eloqua mm-hmm. or, and I always respond like passionately, like that is a terrible question to ask because do you have resources? Do you have, mm-hmm. what's your budget? What's your timeline? What's all, all of these things. And so I think a lot of companies um, uh, maybe are desensitized by the use case study that said 800% growth mm-hmm. for this company. And they go, Oh, well, I'm going to go buy that platform and expect <laughs> the yeah. same results. I, I think that's right. I think that, um, I think marketing technology companies sell results, not typical, you know, like, uh, Weight Watchers does too. Yeah. You know, there's like the, yes, there has been a human being who lost 80 pounds in 30 days, <laughs> right. but that's not generally speaking what happens when you use <laughs> right. the thing. Right. And that's really, you know, I think technology companies have built, have sold a crap ton of software publishing case studies that really re- sort of need an asterisk of results not typical. Because yeah. if you were going to take, I don't know, 2,000 case studies and decide is the one they publish statistically relevant sort of to the pie? Right. No. And so I think it does sometimes put undue pressure on the agencies that are hired to say, where is my 8,000%? And I would say, especially in the last couple of years, I feel like it's normalizing a bit, but we had to do a lot of work to right size expectations. Um, You know, as you know, like different segments and industries are more competitive than others. Um, Different brands are at different levels of maturity and awareness in a marketplace of, can you turn it on fire or not? Like, well, if you're a $250,000 company, I'm probably not gonna you know, get a great, have a great chance of something you're doing going viral. So those, those start to become, I think, uh, results, not typical expectations that brands have. And, and so I I don't know, I, I think that in kind of our quick fix world, um, marketing technology has turned into a bit of a quick fix trick. Yeah. But there's, as you and I know, there's a lot of sort of work underneath that cover. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious, you know, uh, so you, when you're working with companies, you're working from branding all the way through execution. Um, your team is, are you involved in the marketing technology selection with your clients? Yeah. On our best days, we're able to inform that. And you talked about, uh, you started, you said something about this and it triggered a thought, you know, almost everything that we do as human beings, the first time we're bad at it. Yeah. Right. So if you think about a lot of... Divorced ones. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding, not kidding, right? (laughs) Funny, not funny. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we're bad at it usually the first time. So companies are needing to make a technology stack decision 
for the first time. And often they're bad at it. They don't know how to go backwards and understand how do I create a strong requirements document? How do I figure out what the appropriate sort of pace and escalation and implementation is? How do I understand the real staffing requirement for this? Like how do I understand the size of the giant I'm building for myself? So what we find is that most of the time, if they've already made a decision, they've made a wrong decision. And, and we can be mad about that or we can accept that that's just what happens anytime you do something the first time. Right. And so, you know, when you can find a greenfield, you know, company where they haven't really made big investments in marketing technology and there hasn't been a CMO who gave a really impassioned presentation to some executive team and said, and this is why we need to spend X thousands of dollars on XYZ software. Um, then yes, we can help them create the requirements document and do those steps that I just said, but it feels slow yeah, and that makes people anxious, but it's really the only way to make the right decision. The more often scenario is that we walk in and they already have made some platform decision. You know, Salesforce has given a ton of this away for free right now and right. trying to get, um, you know, user base. And, and, and I understand why very smart sure. from their perspective. And so there's times when we have to use stuff because it's free or because, you know, they're two years into a five-year contract or whatever it is. And then, you know, while it not, might not be the perfect stack, it's our job to make it work as best it can. And most times what we see is they've overbought. You know, there's something much simpler that maybe could have been a little bit more out of the box, but they're going to have to spend more time customizing, et cetera, doing API integrations yeah. where maybe something was a little bit more off the shelf. But... I mean, you know, Scott Brinker publishes that big, uh, huge. that huge infographic every year. I think he's year. running out of disk space. On yeah, that. I mean, it's wild. And I think the last one I saw, 2011, there were 150 different marketing um, technology companies on it. And now there's over 3,800. So it's no wonder it's hard. You know, when I talk to marketers, I'm like, if this feels hard, it's because it is. Yeah. You know, and I don't. I think it will be interesting to see what that marketing technology landscape looks like in the next three to five years. I. I don't know that there's space for 3,800 more, but maybe there is. <laughs> maybe I'll well, be the, surprised. Well, the huge explosions, one acquisitions, right? You know, yeah. there's a ton of that happening. But then the huge explosions in machine learning and, mm -hmm. you know, they, I mean, I think that's going to have, uh, we depend so much on analyzing data and then coming up with a result and there's human error involved in that. Well, the technology is getting to a point now where it can select the right result. You know, yeah, you? I, I, I like I'll join you in that party. I, I agree. On yeah. the other side, though, it seems like there are so few companies that are even successful in capturing clean data at all oh, yes. that to then put artificial intelligence on top of it to say it's machine. You know, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, no, you're right. It's like. I'd love bad data in a terrible exponential yeah. result. And out. you have something that can't sort of adjust for anomalies, you know, as far as like what you're saying. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think what we're able to talk about and do as marketers and the pace at which it, like industry is ready to absorb and accommodate and fund. Yeah. It's, it, I don't know. I feel like the chasm is getting wider, not closer. I agree. No, I, I definitely agree. So, so it's interesting. So, so the first thing that you said that I think is important that I want to repeat is I think companies need to take a more practical look at their first implementation of software mm -hmm. and maybe say, look, this, 
there's going to be some expense involved, mm-hmm. but this is going to be a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't expect the 8,000% mm-hmm. you know, result from it. Boy, that's a sobering mm-hmm. conversation to have with any company. You know, implementing a CRM, for example, and getting everybody to document their data and saying, yeah, we might lose money on this for the mm-hmm. first year. Yeah, maybe. I, I yeah. tell people it's usually two-year implementation. Two-year, yeah. So I think that's that's key. The second one I think that you really touched on well was um, – you're going to make mistakes as far as over-purchasing a, mm-hmm. you know, a platform and maybe not utilizing it to its full capability. Um, but, but, you know, what do you, what do you think from that? So, so let's say you have that client that they buy the Salesforce and they buy the 14 different integrations from app exchange mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they have nobody to implement them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what, where do you, where do you pull that client back and say, look, you know, step one, is it, do you go for that monkey's paw, you know, let's do one small project that kind of moves the needle or do you say, look, we got to cut this off and, you know, kind of start over kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, will you try to lay it out like kind of the business case of it and say, you've got sort of two, you know, choose your own adventure kind of adventure. One is we stay with the technology stack that you have and you're going to spend, say 40% more on like customization and training than you really need to. But if we're going to stick with the stack, that's just what it's going to take. Yeah. So, or the other side is we try to figure out if we can get a buyout on the contract or whatever it is and put something else in, but there's switching costs to that. And so I, I, I would say my younger self would have gone in and tried to make the decision I wanted them to make really shiny, but I, yeah. there's, there's like there's sort of pain in both of them. So it's like our goal is to make sure that we make you as successful as possible with whatever path you go down. Right. And generally that's a fairly sizable lift from where they're at because I think the other mistake that people make is they mistake marketing technology for strategy. Oh, yes. And they feel frustrated that they don't know what to do from a marketing perspective. And so then the easiest thing to do is to go buy a new toy, right? Yeah. And so they go buy the software that their buddy used and it's working really well, or they went to a trade show and they're, you know, the biggest competitor in their space said that they use this thing and whatever it is. And so that is what they glob onto. And they yeah. say, you know, if we have this technology, then I think we'll know how to do marketing. And it, and it like it that's it scary. seems noble, but that's really what they believe yeah. because often it's especially if it's the business uh, owner who's making that decision and not maybe a line marketer, they kind of make you know uh, blur the lines a bit. But what happens is that you know now I have this this tool that I first don't even know really how to use, so I have to understand how to you know upload an image and those kinds of very um, you know menial things, and then I have to understand well what what even can I do with the data once it's in there, right? Can I set up workflows? Can I set up triggers? Do I, can I do behavioral integration with my website? Can I do smart content? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the third step is now how do I, un, based on how I understand the functionality can work, how do I then apply that strategically to the way I need to engage with my marketplaces? We, we assume if I know how to use the software that that must be writing strategy. And that, that's also a big mistake that I'm, I see just a, crap ton of people making is just because you know how to log in and functionally set up a landing page does not mean that you understand how to do CRO and optimize that in a way that's going to maximize your campaign effectiveness. Those are two very different things. There's tears coming to my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm turning into my like mom voice, like kids, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, the, the but the, there's that uh, again complicating the issue, and this is something that we've been yelling about a lot lately. Is that people look at an agency like Element Three, let's say from a an implementation standpoint of this marketing technology, and they are focused on how many landing pages do we have mm-hmm. or how many calls to action or how many campaigns or personas or, and it's, and, and those are, uh, those again are those vanity things. Mm-hmm. Like if you have one landing page that's optimized and working fantastically for your company, that's, and so 90% of the thought process and strategy and creativity happens before any before you ever even open the marketing Mm -hmm. technology that's just the output you know of that of that strategy and creativity and i think we've done a a poor job in the marketing tech space like you said is you're not buying the strategy you're you're buying a device to implement the strategy and i think it's important for companies to realize that even when you're getting a third-party expert like element three involved is you're paying you know probably 90, maybe it's even 99% for all of the experience on your staff, all of the implementations that you've done Mm -hmm. in the past, all of the uh, great campaigns and campaigns that didn't do well, and ultimately are able to push the needle forward for a company because of that. And that's what they're paying for, is that the implementing the marketing tech is the, uh, you know, is a lot of times the easy part, right? Mm-hmm. Implement a HubSpot, you can have up in a day, import your list, build a landing page, you know, you can have it all right there. But knowing what to, mm-hmm. do, to do is mm-hmm. the, that's the part that takes all of the thought. And, and that's what we've really been pushing a lot with our clients is please stop paying attention to output or what you deem as productivity and really start, you know, putting a value on the strategy, mm-hmm. you know, that brought us to this point. So can I tell you what my bias is of why that's such a common belief among yes. marketers? Uh, you're a guy who kind of likes to poke the bear. So this is sort yeah. of my poke the bear Yay. perspective of some <laughs> things. Um, is that if you look at who is in large part driving the conversation among marketers about marketing technology. Most of that commentary and the white papers and the blog posts and the um, discussion is actually coming from the marketing technology companies themselves. If you think about HubSpot and uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud and these, these huge dominant players, the amount of output that they put in the marketplace and they are really, I believe, disguising themselves as marketing experts but their true intent is to sell software. Right. And they know statistically for them, people who have higher uses, more landing pages, more email templates, the switching cost gets higher the more they use their technology. So then the propaganda in large part becomes use the technology more and your strategy will get better, right? And there's some degree of like, you know, if you go to the gym a lot, you'll be better at lifting weights than if you only go a little bit. So it's not completely off base, but I'll sort of tell a binary story for the, you know, sort of impact here. And so they're really the ones flooding the conversation of how to become an expert modern marketer. Most of the commentary is, a lot of it is coming from the technology companies and not really the service providers because my income stream is entirely related to the usage of the technology, right? Right. right. And how well it's actually being deployed in 
campaigns in commerce and is that generating a positive ROI? And understanding how to think through the lens of it is different than just getting a bunch of it to the marketplace. So I, um, I, I saw a study, and I'm not going to mention the company, I saw a study that was released, huge study, and it was how producing more content builds greater results. Mm -hmm. and, and I cringed. <laughs> well, because it can be true. It, it, exactly. It can be, but, but it is not. And then when you, but you, when you break down and segment that data, okay, well, who are the companies that are able to write 24, 25 articles a week? And what's the quality of those articles? Right. Like quality didn't play into the equation at all. Well, it, it goes back quantity. to like uh, Rand Fishkin and his 10X, one of his Whiteboard Fridays. It was, I think the, the 10X content post is one of the best things he's put out. And I think that's the challenge yeah. for small, mid-sized businesses in particular. They don't have you know, content staffs of 15 people right. who three of them can spend their whole days in, you know, conference rooms imagining how am I going to break through all this clutter. And the internet is becoming a junkyard. It is. Um, yeah. And so I think the sort of quantity equals strategy model is just sort of more adding to the junker than branding, building what I sort of discernible brands. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like when, you know, if, if we do our research on a post, spend a couple weeks, you know, identify opportunities, um, look at the gap with our competitors, mm -hmm. and then we cr and we create a strategy around maybe it's a infographic with video and social diagrams and everything else. It almost always takes off, mm -hmm. you know. But if we just spend time producing, oh, two articles a day, mm -hmm. you know, just to get them out there, we don't we don't come near the results. Yep. And so we've been. You know, we've definitely been pushing all of our clients the opposite direction and saying, in fact, with some of our clients' websites, we've collapsed them. Mm -hmm. We've said, okay, you have 14 articles on disaster recovery plans. Let's build a master article on mm -hmm. disaster recovery plans, redirect everything to that, mm -hmm. and boom, what happens? All of a sudden, it skyrockets. Mm -hmm. And because people say, wow, this is a really complete article. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And in this, I mean, I, I think you feel the same way. Marketing technology companies have done far more good than bad for marketing. I Absolutely. Mean, it's, it's a really, I think it has made us be more responsible for the dollars that are spent on marketing. There's more transparency. Yeah. I think we're greater partners with the business than we have been 20 years ago. I mean, the the level of awareness that marketing has and sort of the ethos of business today, I think is really high visibility. Yeah. And I think that's good for everything. So well, it used to be, you know, that you, you would work for what a year on your marketing strategy, execute it mm -hmm. for five years and then wait for 10 years to see how it worked yeah. out. Yeah. Now it's, you know, marketing technology definitely provides the opportunity, even in traditional, you know, what they're doing right now with TV, radio, print, oh, you know, yeah. is incredible as far as measuring accurate results and holding people accountable to those mm -hmm. results. It's it's great. I think it's more turnover sometimes yeah. with staff too. Yeah. But but yeah, that's I I think it's about expectation setting. I mean it goes back yes. to the results not typical. I mean we you know, me telling a CEO that it's gonna take two years to implement to fully implement and for you to feel confident confident and comfortable that this is a predictable model for your company is tough to swallow. And I think that because often as service providers, we don't see, uh, we operate out of fear yeah. and we don't, we don't feel comfortable saying that we create unrealistic expectations Absolutely. for ourselves instead of saying, I'm going to go ahead and sort of stare the bear in the face right now so yeah. that I have the runway that it really takes to do this. 
Well, and, and you, you wind up building, you know, in the long run, I mean, your agency has testament to that, right? In the long run, what you wind up doing is building credibility within your industry that, you know, that person that didn't listen to you and went the other direction eventually comes back and says, my goodness, you were right, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, the, who you're left with as clients are clients that truly have an investment and believe in what you're looking for. So, mm -hmm. um, wow. Good conversation. <laughs> I feel like we were down on Martech and up on Martech. Yeah, at the no, same time. I, yeah, I just, I, you know, in an effort to be a realist, you know, well, you have to look at it from both perspectives. I, I absolutely love that perspective of look who's, you know, look who's producing the content and what they're selling. I, I often say that even, even in a, in a space with we have incredible public speakers in this space. Why are they there? Mm -hmm. Why are they there? If they're doing a keynote and getting, you know whatever, $10,000, $20,000 a keynote, and that's what they're doing all year long, guess what their objective is? Their objective is to get the next keynote. It's not necessarily to inform you of the struggle of a two-year implementation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, for a CRM. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I even question those folks that, that are out and about. More often than not, I listen to my community. Mm -hmm. I listen to folks like you that, you know, we're duking it out every single day in the swamps. We're not, you know, taking a picture from the high rise at our next, yeah. <laughs> at the next club meeting, right. you know, that we got a VIP ticket yeah. to. Yeah, no, uh -uh. <laughs> not my world. <laughs> long way from my world. Thank you for reminding me, Doug. That's a long way from my world. <laughs> well, anything else, you know, from an advice standpoint, and then of course we'll talk about how people can get a hold of you. Sure. Um, but any closing statements there? I, I think one thing I would add is um, I talked about just the, um, the fragmentation right now inside of marketing technology and how, you know, like Chief Martech's uh, infographic says there's 3,800. Like, I think sometimes we can get a, I, this is again going against what I said earlier a bit, but a little bit analysis paralysis. And at a minimum, use what you know, yeah. because, um, and implement the technology that you had at your last company if you need to, because it is a learning curve. And we as a, um, when we were a 20 person agency made the decision that the only thing that we were going to use was HubSpot. Right. I did not go through an exhaustive exercise to figure out if HubSpot was the best thing. I right. had no idea. Right. I figured it was good enough because they kept growing. And that sounds really naive and trusting, but it was, uh, was all I had the time to do the but analysis. But you also had around. 20 people that could implement yeah. successfully. And so we just, I decided at that point in time, anybody who comes in and says, I have Eloqua or I have Salesforce Marketing Cloud or at that time, Exact Target and Pardot, blah, blah, blah. I would say, I'm sorry, we can't work with you. The only thing we know is HubSpot. Yeah. And what it allowed us to do is to develop competency in something. And, um, you know, they all have different release and update Dates. They all have different bugs and you know things you just yeah. have to know if you're going to use them. They all have different help desks. They all have different user conferences. They all have different APIs and the way that they act and integrate. They all have right. different. They all have different of those. So if you're using six different things that fit together, they all have. It, it becomes exponential really fast. And so we still are on the train of there's a pretty defined list of technology that we will say we know how to use. Um, and that we'll take on responsibility of driving for a company, that we will push the buttons and take ownership of it working and us being able to fix and maintain things. 
So if the people listening to this are on the agency side, I would encourage you to sort of step out in confidence and say, I am going to certify my people at the highest level on these technologies. I am going to invest in sending them to the conferences. I am going to invest in knowing the sales and marketing leaders and the um, technology roadmap so that I can be a better partner for my clients. Um, and to and to have confidence to be able to say, I'm going to know a few things well. And, and that there's, I think, a real game to be won in that. Um, I'm, I guess I'm I'm shipping my own company's future on that belief. And that on the great. other side, on the in-house side, if there's somebody in your local market that has an email company or there's a somebody, then, then, then start there. Just start yeah. and, and learn to use it because most of the time the programs fail, not because the technology had some great deficiency, but because the user didn't understand how to leverage what it could do. And most of these help desks and technology people who can help you or workarounds, if you need the technology to do something it can't do natively, they likely have experience with one or two other one-offs where they can help you do that. Don't like throw the baby out with the bathwater and just start over because it is the switching costs are huge and they are hard to learn. No. So focus, stay in there, understand if you haven't figured it out in the first six months, you're not alone, but like stick in the heat and, and keep going. Uh, that's fantastic advice. So yeah, I have my <laughs> pom-poms out now. And <laughs> I feel like, so go, 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 go do it. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> no. And, and I think very few times in the marketing technology industry, do you see someone utilizing a platform to its fullest yeah, potential. No, yeah, it's Very not that the technology yeah. can't do it. It's right. that we don't know how to. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Uh, and of course, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, um, I mean, element3.com. Three is spelled out. Uh, element3.com is our website, and then uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Tiffany Souter. S A U D E R at Tiffany Souter. So yeah, hit us up. We'd love Fantastic. to hear from people. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, I love having you on the show, and, and we need to do this uh, a lot more often. So thank you. Sounds great. Thanks. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.